Jungle Tales of Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs Chapter 4 The God of Tarzan Among the books of his dead father, The Little Cabin by Landlocked the Harbour, Tarzan of the Apes found many things to puzzle his young head, by much labour and through the medium of infinite patience as well. He had, without assistance, discovered the purpose of little bugs which ran right upon the printed pages. He had learnt that in many combinations which he found them, they spoke in a silent language, spoke of strange tongues, spoke of wonderful things which a little ape-boy could not by any chance fully understand, rousing curiosity, stimulating his imagination, filling his soul with mighty longing for further knowledge. A ditchery had proven itself a wonderful storehouse of, of information, when after several years of tireless endeavour he had sold the mystery of its purpose and manner of its use. He learned to make a species of game out of it. Following up the super of a young fault, of a new fault, through the mazes of the many definitions which each new word required him to consult. It was like following a quarry through the jungle. It was hunting, and Tarzan apes was in infragable huntsmen. There were, of course, certain words which aroused curiosity to a greater extent than others, words which, for one reason or another, excited his imagination. There was one, for example, the meaning which was rather difficult to grasp. His word guard, Tarzan first. Tarzan first had been attracted to it by the fact that it was very short to commence with a larger bug than those about it, a, a male jug bug. It was to Tarzan, the lowercase letters being females. Another fact which attracted him to the, this word was the number of e bugs which figured in its definition, supreme dynasty, creator, upholder of the universe. This must be a very important word indeed. He would have to look into it, and he did, though it still baffled him after many months of thought and study. However, Tarzan counted no time wasted, which he devoted to these strange hunting expeditions, to the game preserves of knowledge. For each word and each definition led on, on and on into strange places, into new worlds, where, with increasing frequency, he met old familiar faces, always, and always he added to his store of knowledge. Not by the meaning of God, he was yet in doubt. But by the meaning of God, he was yet in doubt. Once he thought he had grasped it, that God was the mighty chief and king of all the Magari. He was not quite sure, however, since that would mean that God was mightier than Tarzan, a point at which Tarzan the apes, who required no equal in the jungle, was low could secede. But all the box he had there was no picture of God, though he found much to confirm his belief that God was a great and all-powerful individual. He saw pictures of places where God was worshipped, but never any sign of God. Finally, he began to wonder if God were not a different, were not of a different form than he. At last, he determined to set out in question, uh, set out in search of him. He commenced by questioning Magba, who was very old and seen many strange things in a long life. Magba, being an ape, had a facility for calling the trivial. 
That time when Gugtu mistook a sting bug for an edible beetle had made more impression upon Mugga than all the innumerable conversations, greatness of God, which he had witnessed, and which, of course, she had not understood. Nongo, overhearing Tarzan's questions, managed to rest his attention long enough for the diversion of the flea hunting to advance the theory that power which made the lightning and rain and the thunder came from Gugu, the moon. He knew this, he said, because the dum-dum always was danced in the light to the Gugu. His reasoning, which entirely satisfactory to Numbo, Go, and Mangoga, Manga, failed, failed fully to convince Tarzan, how it gave him a basis for further investigation, and along a new line, he had he would investigate the moon. That night he clambered, clambered up to the high, loftiest pinnacle, the tallest jungle giant. The moon was full, a great glorious moon. Eight men upright upon a slender swaying limb, raised his bronze face to the silver orb. Now he had that he had clambered to the highest point when it reached, he discovered to his surprise that Gogu was so far away as when he rooted him from the ground. He thought that Gogu was attempting to elude him. Come, Gogu, he cried. Tarzan apes will not harm you, but will the moons, but still the moons held aloft. Tell me, he continued, if you be the great king who sends Ara a lightning, who makes a great noise of mighty winds and sends the waters down the jungle. Upon the jungle people, when the days are dark and it's cold, tell me, Guru, are you God? Of course, he did not pronounce God as you and I would pronounce his name, for Tarzan knew not the spoken languages of his English forebears. Yet the name of his own invention of each of the little bugs which constituted the alphabet. Like the apes, he was not such a merely have a mental image of the things he knew. He must have a word descriptive of each. Reading he grasped the word in its entirety. But when he spoke the words he had learned from the books, his father pronounced each according to the names he had given the various little bugs which occurred in it, usually given a gender prefix for each. Thus, the imposing word which Tarzan made or God, masculine prefix that apes is boo, feminine mu, Tarzan had na- named Alugu, he pronounced Tugu, and D was Muru, so the word God evolved itself into Bolamitamotoro. In English, he succeeded. So me, he arrived, had arrived. Strange and wonderful spelling of his own name, Tarzan, had derived from two ape words, Tar and Zan, meaning white skin. It was given him by his foster mother, Kala, the great she ape. When Tarzan put into the written language his own people, he had not yet chanced upon the either white or skin in dictionary, but in the primer he had seen the picture of a white little white boy, so he wrote the name, his name, Babamutumutumo, or he boy. To follow Tarzan's strange system of spelling would be laborious as well as futile, so we shall in the future, as we have in the past, adhere to the more familiar forms of our grammar school copybooks. You would tire you to remember that do meant do be to you and ro, re, 
Anyway, that would just say he boy when you make prefix the eight masculine gender sound boo before the entire word and the feminine gender sounding moo before each of the letters, lowercase letters which go to make up boy. You tire you you tire you you bring me to the nineteenth hole, several strokes under par. So Tarzan Hagenade the moon when Jew Goro did not apply Tarzan or the eight's wax roof. He swelled his drink chest and bared his fighting fangs, held into his teeth the bark satellite, the challenge of the bull ape. You are not Bolomutu, he cried. You are not a king of the jungle folk. You are not some great as Tarzan, mighty fighter, mighty hunter. None, there is no great as Tarzan. If there be Bolomutu, Tarzan can kill him. Come down, Goro, great coward, and fight with Tarzan. Tarzan will kill you. I am Tarzan the killer. But the moon made no answer to the boasting of the ape-man. And when the cow came and skewered her face, Tarzan thought that Guru was indeed afraid, was hiding from him. So he came down out of the trees and woke Numgo, told him how great was Tarzan, how he frightened Gubu out of the sky and made him tremble. Tarzan spoke to the moon as he, all that things large or all sparring to a male to ape folk. Numgo was not very much pressed, but he was very sleepy. So he told Tarzan to go away and leave his betters alone. But where shall I find God? insisted Tarzan. You are very old. old. Is it, if there is a God, you must have seen him. What does he look like? Where does he live? I am God, replied Numbo. Go, now sleep and disturb me no more. Tarzan looked at Nimgo steadily for several minutes. His shapely head sunk just a trifle beneath, between his great shoulders. His square chin shot forward, his upper lip drew back, exposing his white teeth. Then with a low growl, he leaped upon the ape, buried his fangs in the other's hairy shoulder, clutching the great neck by his mighty fingers. Twice he shook the old ape, then released his toothhold. You, are you God? he demanded. No, well, Nimgo, I'm only a poor old ape. Leave me alone. Go and ask the Gomori where God is. They're hairless, like yourself, and the very wise too. They should they should know. Tars releases Nungo and turned away. The suggestion that he consult the blacks appealed to him, though he's very relations of the people of Ogia, the chief, with the emphasis of friendly, he would could at least spy upon his hatred enemies, discover if they had intercourse with God. So it was that Tarzan stepped forth through the trees toward the village of the blacks, all in excitement at the prospect of discovering the serene being, great of all things, that he travelled and re- reviewed mentally his armament, the condition of his armament, the condition of his hunting knife, the number of his arrows, nearest of the gut which sprung his bow, hefted the war spirit, which once been the pride of some black warrior of the Mongolia, tribe. If he, Tarzan, if he met God, Tarzan would be prepared. One could never tell whether a glass rope, a war spear, or a poison arrow would be most officious against a familiar foe. Tarzan Apes was most well quite content. God wished to fight. The eight men had no doubt as the outcome of the struggle. There were many questions Tarzan wished to put to the creator of the universe. He hoped that God would not prove a religion god, but the experience of life at all. Ways that living creatures had taught him 
any creature that means for defence and defence was quite likely to provoke attack if in a proper mood. It was dark when Tarzan came to the village of Mongolia. As silently as the silent shadows of the night, he sought his accustomed place among the branches of the great tree which overhung the parricide. Below him in the village street, he saw men and women. The men were hastily painted, more hastily than usual. Among them moved a weird, grotesque figure, a tall figure that went upon two legs of a man and yet had the head of a buffalo. Her tail dangled to his ankles beneath, behind him, and then he carried a Deborah tail, which the others clutched a bunch, or the other clutched a bunch of small arrows. Tarzan was electrified. Could it be that chance he'd given him, thus every early an opportunity to look upon guard, showed his fingers as neither man nor beast? So what could it be, then ever, then a creator of the universe? Eight men watched at every move of the strange creature. He saw the black women and women fall back to approach as though they stood in terror of its mysterious powers. Presently he discovered that Dayton was speaking, and they all listened in silence to his words. Tarzan was sure that none other than God could inspire such awe in the hearts of Gomogogoli or stop their mouths so efficiently without the recourse to the arrows. So effectively without the recourse to arrows and spears. Tarzan had come to look for the contempt, the contempt upon the blacks, principally because they gunality. Small apes talked a great deal, ran away from the enemy. Big bull ape, old apes of Kralinik, talked but little, and thought upon them without slightest provocation. Nimble line was not given to Lucrucy, yet all, all the jungle folk, there were few who fought more often than he. Tarzan witnessed strange things at that night, none which he understood, and perhaps because they were strange. He thought they must have to do with God. He could not understand. He saw three youths receive their first war spears, a weird seminary which grotesque witch doctor strove swiftly to render uncanny and awesome. Who's he interested? He watched the slashing of the three black arms, brown arm, three brown arms, Exchange of blood with Magoba, the chief, the rites of ceremony of blood for brotherhood. He saw the zebra tail dipped in the cauldron of water, by which the witch doctor had made <coughs> magical passes. The while he danced and lips about, he saw the beasts and foreheads of each of the three notoriety sprinkle the charmed liquid. Could the eight men have known the purpose of this act? That it was intended to render the recipient invulnerable the attacks of his enemies and finish in the face of any danger. He had doubtless just leapt in the village street and appropriated the tail, a portion of the contents of the cauldron. But he did not know, so he only wondered, not alone, at which what he saw, but at the strange sensations which played up and down his naked spine, sensations induced doubtless by the same hypnotic influence. It's held the black spectators intense or upon the verge of a hysterical upheaval. Longer Tarzan watched the more convinced he came that his, that his eyes were upon guard. With the, the conviction came determination, had a word with identity. The Lord Tarzan and Apes to think was to act. 
people of Mongolia were key to the high pitch of hysterical excitement. It needed little to release the combinated pressures of staggering red nerve force, which are terrorizing memory the witch doctor had induced. A lion roared suddenly out and loud close without the, without the prince's side. Black studied nervously, dropping into the outer science as they listened to the repetition of the old familiar and always terrifying noise voice. In the witch doctor paused in the midst of an erect step, mainly emotionally rigid and risk. He plumped his cunning mind, suggesting of how best he might take advantage condition of his audience and a timely interruption. Already the evening had been vastly profitable for to him. There would be three groats of initiation, free use to all full-furnished warship. Besides these, he had seized several gifts of grain, beads, together with a piece of copper wire for the admiring and terrified members of his audience. Numbers were still operated along, along taut nerves, when a woman's laugh, shrill and piercing, shattered the silence of the village. In the moment Tarzan closed, the drop lightly retreated to the enemy village street. Fair to his blooded enemies, he stood taller by a forehead. There many Mugbolu's warriors straight as they straight his arrow, muscled like to nimble the line. For the moment Tarzan stood looking straight at the witch doctor. Every eye was upon him, yet no one had moved. Paradise of terror held him to be broken but a moment later as eight men with a toss of the head stepped straight toward the hideous figure beneath the buffalo head and the nerves of black could stand no more for months of the terror the strange white god, jungle god had been upon them their arrows had been stolen from the very centre of the village their warriors had been suddenly slain upon the jungle trails their dead bodies dropped mysteriously by night into the woody street as if from the heavens above. One or two there were who had glimpsed the strange figure of the new demon, and it was from that half repeated descriptions that the entire village now recognised Tarzan as a fulfer of many of their ills. Upon another occasion, by daylight, the warriors would doubtless have leapt to attack him, a night this night of all night others, which they wrought to such a pit of nervous dread by the cunning archery, their witch doctor, their helpless of terror, and one man they turned and fled, scattered for the huts, a thousand advance. A moment once um, one for a moment one and one only held his ground. His witch doctor more than half self hypnotized into belief in his own charity the he faced his new demon who threatened to undermine his ancient lucrative possession. Are you guard? asked Tarzan. The witch doctor, having no idea of meaning of the other words, danced a few strange steps, let high in the air, turning completely round, lighting in a stooping position with feet out far outspread, head thrust out towards the ape man. Thus he remained for an instant before he uttered the word loud boo, which evidently intended to frighten Tarzan away, but in reality had no such effect. Tarzan did not pause. He had set out to approach his own guard, and nothing upon earth might now, might now stay his feet. Seeing these antics had no potency, the visitor the witch doctor tried some new medicine, but 
upon the zebra's tail, which he still clutched in one hand, made circles above it with the arrows in the other hand, meaning while backing curiously away from Tarzan, and speaking confidently in the bush, bushy end of the tail. His medicine might be short medicine, however, for creature god or demon was steadily closing up the distance which had separated them. Circles, therefore, were few and rapid, and when they were completed, the witch doctor struck to an inspiration which was intended to be awe-respiring, and waving his tail before him, drew an imaginary line between himself and Tarzan. Beyond this line you could not pass, for my medicine is still strong medicine, he cried. Stop where you always fall dead, your feet touches the spot. My mother was a voodoo, my father was a snake. I live upon lions' hearts and didn't trolls a pamper. I eat young babies for breakfast, and demons of the jungle are my slaves. I am the most powerful witch doctor in the world. I feel nothing, nor can I, die. I cannot die, for I cannot die. But he got no further. Instead, he turned and fled, Tarzan apes, crossed the magical dread line, and still lived. Every witch doctor ram, Tarzan most lost his temper. This is no way to, for a guard to act, at least not in accordance with the conception Tarzan had come to have a guard. Come back, he cried, come back, God. I I will not harm you. But the witch doctor was in full retreat by this time. Stepping high as he leaped over cooking pots and throwing embers of small fires that burnt before the huts of villages. Straight to his own hut ran the witch doctor. Terror spun of unwanted speed, but felt with, with his efforts. Eight men bore down upon him the speed of rack and a deer. Just at the entrance, entrance of his hut, witch doctor was overhauled. A heavy hand fell upon his shoulder, dragging him back. He seized upon a portion of Butterbelow hide, dragging his skies from him. As a naked black man, black man, the Tarzan now saw dodged in the blackness of his hut's interior. So it was that he had thought was that was that what he thought thought was God. Tarzan it curled an angry snarl. He leapt into the hut after terror-stricken witch doctor. Blackness within, he found a dark man huddled far end and dragged him forth in the comparative lightness of the moonlight night, which at the bit and scratch in an attempt to escape, a few cuffs across the head brought him a better realisation for Tilly resistance. Beneath that moon, Tarzan held a cringing figure upon his shaking, its shaking feet. For you are, God, he cried. If you be God, then Tarzan's greatly in God. So the eight men fought. I am Tarzan, he shouted into the body of the black and all the jungles above it, upon the running waters, or the sleeping water, or upon the big waters, or little water, and there is none so great as Tarzan. Tarzan is greater than Megali. He is greater than Gagomi. His own hands, he has slain Numba the lion, Sheeta the panther. There is none so great as Tarzan. Tarzan is greater than God. See? With a strange sudden wrench of his twisted... He twisted the black neck until the fellow shrieked in pain and stumped at earth as in swoon. Placing his foot upon the neck of the fallen witch doctor, the ape man raised his face to the moon and uttered a long, shrill scream of the victorious bull ape. Then he stooped and snatched the zebra's tail from the nervous fingers. Unconscious man, without a backward glance, retraced his footsteps across the village. Several hut doorways, frightened eyes watched him. Mogboga, the chief, was one of those who seen what passed for the hut of witch doctor. Mogbola was greatly concerned. 
Wise old patriot that he was, he never had more than half believed in witch doctors. Least not since greater wisdom come with age. But of truth, he is well convinced of the power of the witch doctor as arm of government, and often was that among Bowler used to superstitious fears people his own ends for the medium of the medicine man. Magola and the witch doctor worked together and divided the spoils. And now the face of which the witch doctor would be would be lost forever, and any soul that Mogbolia has seen, nor would these generations again have as much faith as much faith in any future witch doctor. Mogbolia must be do something to counteract the evil influence foreign demons victory over the witch doctor. He raised a heavy spear and crept silently beside the wake of the retreating late man. Down the village street walked Tarzan, unconcerned and deliberate, as though only friendly apes of Calix surrounded him instead of a village full of armed enemies. Suddenly only the indifference of Tarzan for alert and watchful was ever every well-trained sense. Magona, wily stalker of the keen eared jungle of creatures, moved near in utter silence. Not even Baka the, Baka the deer with their great ears could have guessed for many sound of Mugboa, Mugbola, Gola, but near, but the black was not talking Bara. He was talking man, and so he sought only to avoid noise. Closer and closer, slowly moving ape, man he came. He raised his war spear, throwing his spear, his spearhead, and far back above his right shoulder, once and for all, would Mogbola, the chief, rid himself of his people, the menace of his terrifying enemy. He would make no poor cast. He would make he would make pains. He would hurl his weapon and much greater force as he would finish the devil demon forever. But Mogoboba, Gogonga, sure as he thought himself, erred his calculations. He might believe he was stalking a man, but it, but he did not, however, that he was a man with a delicate sense apprehension of the lower orders. Tarzan had had, when he had turned his back upon his enemy, Nadine Mogbogla never would have thought it, considering in hunting the man. The wind is blowing in the same direction that Tarzan, feeling and carrying his delicate noise to tools. Those which arose behind him, thus it was that Tarzan knew he was being followed. But even among the many sentences of an African village, the eight men's uncanny facility, for equal the tasks of differing one stench from another, locating with remarkable precision the source which whence it came from came. He knew that a man was following him, and going closer, he jabbered warned him of the purpose of the stalker. And Mabola Gola therefore came into the spear range of eight men, and then later suddenly wheeled upon him so so suddenly that this poison arrow, poised arrow spear was shot a fraction of a second before Mugabolia as detended. It went a trifle high and Tarzan stood to it to let it pass over his head when he sprang towards the chief, but Bagola had not waited wait to receive him. Instead he turned and fed the dark doorway at the nearest hut, calling as he went for his warriors to fall upon the stranger and slay him. Well, indeed, Mike Mogolia screamed for help, for Tarzan, young and fleet-footed, covered the distance between him and them in great leaps of speed of charging blind. He was growling, too, not unlike Nimba himself. Mogolia heard that his blood ran cold. He could, only, he could feel the walls stiffen upon his head, and a prickly chin chill 
ran up his spine as though death had come and run his cold finger along Margulia's back. Alice heard too that he saw from the darkness of their huts, bold warriors, hideously painted, crowds being heavy war spears and nerveless fingers. Among, against Lumber the Lion, they would they would have charged fiercely. Among many, many against many things, their own number of black boys would have raced to the protection of the chief. But the weird jungle demon filled them with terror. There was nothing human in the racial grounds. It rumbled up from the deep, deep chest. It was a living being, bare fangs or cattle-like leaps. Mongolia's warriors were now were terrified, too terrified to leave the seeming security of their huts, and they watched the beast man spring a, a fall upon the back of the old, their old chieftain. Magolia went down with a scream of terror. He was too frightened even to attempt to defend himself. He just lay beneath his antagonist in paralysis of fear. Screaming at the top of his lungs, Tarzan half rose and kneeled above the black. He turned Magrolia over, looked him in the face, exposing the man's throat. He drew his long, long, long key knife, a knife that belonged Clayton, Lord Grace, brought with England many years before. He raised it close above Magrolia's neck. The old black whimpered with terror. He pleaded for his life in a tongue Trudson could not understand. But for the first time, the man had a close view of the chief. He saw an old man, a very old man, scrawny neck and wrinkled face, dry parchment-like face, resembled some of the little monkeys Tarzan knew so well. He saw the terror in his man's eyes. Never before Tarzan seen such horror, such terror in the man's eyes, any animal, such a pious appeal for mercy upon the face of any creature. Something stayed at the ape man's hand for an instant. He wondered why it was that he hesitated to make the kill. Therefore, he was thus delayed. The old man seemed to wither and shrink to a bag of puny bones beneath his eyes. Sweet and helpless, the fear-driven, fear-stricken, he appeared to that ape man was filled with great contempt by any association who claimed him. Something new to Tarzan, ancient in revelation to the enemy, is pity, pity for the poor, frightened old man. Tarzan rose and turned away, leaving Magbolia and Chief unharmed. The head held, held, the head held, head held her eye. The ape man walked through the village, swung himself in the branches of a tree which overlooked the precipice, and disappeared from the sight of the villagers. All the way back to the stamping ground of the apes, Tarzan sought for an explanation of strange power that stayed his hand and prevented him from staying Magbolia. It was as Though someone greater than he commanded to spare the life of the old man, Tarzan could not understand. He could not conceive of nothing or no one with authority to dictate to him what he would do or what he should refrain from doing. It was late when Tarzan sought a swaying couch for the, the trees beneath which he slept the apes of Kallik. He was still bald in solution, his sleeping pattern, when he fell asleep. The sun was well up the heavens, we woke, the apes were stir in search of food. Tarzan watched him lazily from above as they scratched in the rooting loom of bugs and beetles and scrubworms, or sought among the branches of trees for eggs and dying birds or lutrous caterpillars. 
An orchard dangling close beside his head opened softly, unfolding its delicate petals, the warmth and light of the sun, which but recently penetrated its shady retreat. A thousand times the Tosan Eats witnessed the beauteous miracle, but now it was aroused by keener interest. The eight man was just commencing, asking questions about all the myriad wonders which he therefore heretofore he had taken for granted. What made the flowers open? What made it grow from a tiny bud to full blown bloom? Why was this? Was it all? It all? Why was it? It at all? Where was he? Where did Numa the lion come from? Oh, who planted a great fir tree? How did Goro get away up in the darkness of the night sky to cast his welcome light? The fearsome nocturnal jungle, the sun. Did the sun really happen there? there? Why were the, all the people of the jungles not trees? Why were the trees not something else? Why were Tarzan difficult, different for Tag and Tag, different from Drake, Verita, Baradeo, and Baker, different for Sheen and the Panther? Why were not Sheen and like Bluto, Rhinoceroses? Where, where and how, anyway, did they all come here from? The trees, the jungles, the insects, countless creatures of the jungle. Quite expectedly, an idea popped into Tarzan's head. In following out the many ramifications of directory definition of God, he had come upon the word crate that calls to some, come into existence to form out, form out of nothing. Tarzan must have arrived at something tangible when a distant wail startled him from his preoccupation to sensibility, presence, and real. The wail came from the jungle at the same no distance went from Tarzan's swaying couch. It was a dear wall of sunny balloon. Tarzan reckoned it at once a voice of Grazan, Tiger's baby. They called it Grazan because it was soft, baby hair, and unusually red. And Grazan, the language of great apes, means red skin. A whale was immediately followed by a real scream of terror from its small lungs. Tarzan electrified in action, instant action. Like an arrow from a bow, he shot through the trees, direction of sound. Ahead of him, he heard a savage snarling of an ape, adult snarling of an adult she-ape. It was Tika to the rescue. The danger must be really real. Tarzan could not could tell that by a note of rage, mingled with fear in the limb voice of her, of her she, running among bending limbs, bending limbs, swinging from one tree to another. The eight men raced through the middle with red terraces, towards the sounds which now rise in volume, deafening propulsions. From all directions, the apes of Kallik were tiring in response to the appeal, the tones of Boto, Boto and his mother, as though they came. And as they came, the rear roars reverberated through the forest. But Tarzan Swift and his fellow, his heavy fellows distanced them all. But it was he who first upon the scene where he saw sent his coaching chill from his great fame, for the enemy was the most hated and loathed of jungle feeder creatures. Twined, the great tree was Halitcha, the snake, huge, ponderous, slimy, and the folds of its deadly face, the ticker's little balloon, dressed an nothing in the jungle, spied within the fresh of Tarzan, so near the resemblance of fear, as did the hideous half-staff. H2 loathed the terrifying reptile and feared him even more than they did Sheeta, the panther, nor Nimba the lion. For all their enemies were was a little girl they gave a wide buff when they gave Hatish the snake. Tarzanutatika was particularly fearful of his silent repressive foam. 
Posted father, as the scene broke from the vision, vision, it was as wretch and ticker which filled him with greater wonder. When it's wonderful, the moment he saw her, as she leaped upon the Christian body of the snake, and as the mighty foes that cycled, circled her as well as her offspring, she made no attempt, effort to escape, but instead grasped the raving body in a fertile effort to wear tear it by its screaming balloon. Tarzan knew it all too late. He knew only too well how deep rooted was Tika's horror, terror of Tashita. He could he scarcely could believe the testimony of his own eyes. When they told him, she had voluntarily rushed into deadly embrace. Nor was Tika's dread of the monster much greater than Tarzan's own. Never willingly had he touched a snake, nor could he not say that he not fear admit fear of nothing, nor is it fear of rather inherent compulsion requested to him by the many generations of civilized ancestors back back of, the, of them, perhaps on about countless marauds, such a tinker in the breast of each of which there had lurked the same nameless terror in slimy reptile. Etaza did not hesitate more than had tinker, but leapt upon his chair. All the speed and petrosity he would have shown if he had sprung upon Baka, the deer, to make food, kill for food, thus beset the snake withered and twisted horribly, but did not for an instant did it lose its hold upon any of his attendant victims, for it was included uh, it included the eight men, and cold brace the minute he had leapt upon it. Still clinging to the tree, and the mighty reptile held it free, though it had been, been within the weight, and while it sought to crush the life from them, Tarzan had drawn the wood's life, and he now plunged it rapidly in the body of the enemy, the circling foes promised to snap his life, before he had inflicted a death wound upon the snake. Yet he had only fault, nor did he seek to escape, so the horrid death that confronted him. Sole aim was to slay Hashjah, and thus freeing Tika and a balloon. The great, wide, graping jaws, the snake turned and hovered above him, elastic maw, moo, and an encompassing rabbit on a horned back, with equal facility, yawned for him, by Hashjah, in turning his attention upon the ape man, pulled his head. Within reach of that tide's blade, instantly a brown hand leaped forth and seized a mottled neck. Another drove the heavy thudding hunting blade, knife of hilt in a little brain into a little brain. Conversely, his turf shuddered, relaxed, tense and relaxed again, whipping and striking his great body by a long, longer sentence or sensible or sensible. Had said the child was dead. But in, in his death throes, he might have easily dispatched a dozen apes of men. Quickly, Tarzan seized Tucker and dragged her from the loosened embrace, driving her to the ground beneath. Then he attached her to the Batulu and tossed it to his mother. Still, Hatesha whipped about clean to this ape man. But after a dozen efforts, Tarzan succeeded in wriggling free and leaping to the ground, out of range of the mighty battering of the dying snake. A circle of each surrounded the scene 
of the battle, but the moment that Tarzan broke safely from the enemy, they turned slightly away to resume their interrupted feeding, and Tarka had been turning with, with, turned with him, quite forgetful all but Babaru, and the fact that an interruption had occurred, she had just been discovered and dubiously hidden, a nest containing three perfectly good eggs. Tarzan could be indifferent to the battle. Was mere over, Billy cast a parting glance at the steel roving body Hashtar, and wandered off between the poor little pool which served to water the tribe at its, at its point. Strangely, he had not given the victory over over the vanquished Hashtar, but any he could have not, not have told you, other than were not to him, Hashtar was not an animal. He differed in some peculiar way from the other deathlings of the jungle. Tarzan only knew that he hated him. A poor Tarzan drank his foil, fill, and lay stretched upon the soft grass beneath the shade of a tree. His mind reverted to the battle which had Tar, the snake. It seemed strange to him that Tucker should have placed herself within the folds of the horrid monster. Why had she done it? Why indeed had he? Tucker did not belong to him, nor did Tucker's baloo. They were both tags. Well, why then he had done all this? Had Cho was not food for him when he was dead? There seemed to Tarzan now he gave the matter no. fault. No reason in the world no. why he should have done the thing he did. No. Presently it occurred to him he had acted almost involuntary, just as he acted when he released the old Gomori no. the previous evening. What made him no. do such things? Somebody no. more powerful than he must f- force him to no. act at times. All powerful for Tarzan. Little bugs say that God is all powerful. It must be the God made me do these things, for I never did them by myself. If God had made Tika rush Pontit Hishka, Tika would never go near Hishka, her own volition. It was God who held my knife the throat of Gamalige. God accomplishes strange things, for he is all powerful. I cannot see him, but I know it must be God who does these things. No Midrashi, no Gomari, no Chagari could do it. Do them. The flowers have made them grow. Ah, now it is all explained. The flowers, the trees, the moon, the sun itself. Eat every living creature in the jungle. They were all made by God out of nothing. And what was God? Why did God like look like? Of that he had no conception. But he was sure that everything was that was good came from God. His good act was refraining from slaying the poor, defenseless old Gamari. Tika's love had held him, her in the brace of death. His own loyalty to Tika, which had jeopardized his life, that as much he might live. The flowers, the trees were good and beautiful. God had made them. He had made the other creatures too, that each might have food upon which to live. He made Shinda. Sheeta the panther, with his bit of cooked nimble the lion, with his noble head, saggy mane. He made Buck and the deer, lov- lovely and graceful. His Tarzan found God. He spent the whole day in the British tributing to him all the good and beautiful things of nature. But there was one thing which troubled him. He could not quite conceal, reconcile to his concept of his newfound God. Who made Achara? The snake. 